Hey, Texas fans. How do you chill out each week? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. A perfect moment to unwind in our busy lives. If your game is on, or any game for that matter, reach for a Coors Light and that mountain cold refreshment. When you want to chill out, flip through the channels and crack open a cold Coors Light. Each week the games are getting more and more important. Make sure your refrigerator is stocked up with that one that is made to chill. Coors Light. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Longhorn fans, I am Mike Craven of the Austin American Statesman and Hook'em.com. Joining you solo this week, Danny Davis, my normal co-host and the leader of this podcast. Added an extra Davis. There's now another Davis in the Statesman family. We're overflowing with Davises at this point between Danny and Brian and their children. Uh, So for the next couple weeks, it'll be my beautiful voice coming to you by myself, uh, probably in a little bit of an awkward and ranty way. So it is 1118 Wednesday afternoon when I am doing this podcast. I think it'll be out to you Wednesday afternoon or Thursday. Let's get a little housekeeping in before we get to this week's stuff. On Saturday, Texas added commitment number 18 of the 2021 recruiting cycle with Terrence Cooks, outside linebacker Alvin Shadow Creek. I was actually at his game Friday night, the day before he committed. Uh, We were lucky enough to get a little bit of a hint that he was going to pick Texas uh, beforehand. So I went out there and watched him. He played excellent. Uh, He played really good. They played against Paraland team that not as good as Shadow Creek. You know, you need to remember Shadow Creek defending uh, Class 5A Division I state champion. They beat Denton Ryan uh, last year in what was a really great uh, Class 5A Division One State Championship game. Uh, Shadow Creek now 6A, so their their road to a to a repeat definitely not as easy as it was, but still a really good football team and one that was much better than Pearland. Uh, but Pearland's offense, more of a running kind of old school style offense because they don't have the athletes to really spread it out, uh, fit perfectly in going and watching a linebacker play uh, in Terrence Cooks. He was able to be all over the field, had over 14 tackles, two and a half sacks, he forced two fumbles, uh, so a really good game. Uh, for Texas fans, I would be excited. I think uh, he's one of the better players at his position in the state. Linebacker is becoming a harder and harder spot uh, to recruit, and that's for a couple of reasons. And, and the main one is because if you're that body style and that type of skill set where you would excel as a linebacker, at the high school level, it's probably more important to put you at a different spot, right? So um, if you're a bigger faster linebacker uh, why not play defensive end? We can rush you off the edge and get you after the quarterback. That'll probably help our football team a little bit. If you're a little bit of an undersized, faster linebacker, let's put you at slot. Let's put you at the nickel, and then we can use you in coverage. Um, we can use you also still in blitz packages and stuff like that, but we can use you in spaces uh, that are more important. So for the bigger guy that's on the line, getting after the passer, stopping the run, for the more athletic linebacker that's maybe playing safety, uh, nickel, kind of a hybrid spot. Um, So you don't get 
a lot of in-box linebackers that are playing in-box linebacker at the prep level. Terrence Cooks is the exception to that rule. He was playing a weak side, kind of middle linebacker in a 4-2-5 defense, similar to what Texas runs um, right now under Chris Ash, uh, and he played really well. Uh, he's going to have to add some strength, uh, get a little bit better at dealing with the junk and taking on blocks, uh, but that's true for most linebackers uh, in the high school level. Guys that are that good, that are four-star, five-star guys, are always the best players on the field, or at least the, the best player they're going up against on the field, and so uh, you don't have to do those little things correctly all the time to be successful. He can go around blocks and still make them, whereas on the next level, he's going to have to take on those blocks because if you try to go around those blocks, as we've seen for the Texas defense the last couple of years, you create bigger holes trying to make plays that you're not capable of playing. So he's going to have to get well, within himself a little bit, learn the technique, uh, really learn the game of football a little bit more uh, because he's not a guy who started for four years. You know, you have some guys like J.D. Coffey in this class right now, the safety from Canada. He's been starting since he was a freshman in high school. So he's played a lot of varsity football. Uh, Terrence Cooks, not so much. He moved after his freshman year. He moved after his sophomore year. That was because of uh, parents' work stuff, nothing nothing weird or anything like that, just, just work-related stuff where they needed to move. Uh, finally found a home at Shadow Creek, and that was a really good football team last year. So he was a second-team all-district player, 73 tackles, uh, but didn't play every snap and was not one of the star players. This year, he is becoming one of those star players. And so with more and more experience, I think Texas uh, got a really good player. Again, he's commitment number 18. He's the second linebacker. Uh, joining Maurice Blackwell, another really good player uh, out there from Arlington. Uh, so a two-man linebacker class this year for, for Texas in 2021 after a three-man linebacker class in 2020 last year. Uh, we could say three linebackers maybe this year if we count Derrick Henry. I'm going to uh, – De- De- I'm sorry, Derrick Henry. Derrick Harris, Jr. from New Caney. Uh, I'm going to count him as a defensive end. That's where 24-7 has put him there as well. Uh, so we'll we'll include him in the defensive end class. But still, that's five linebackers added over the last two years, as long as Blackwell and Cook sign. Um, and so that's a that's a good group uh, for Chris Ash at a spot that they need to get better at. Demarion Overshone improving a lot. Jawan Mitchell, I, I say he's improving as well. So they're getting better at that spot. Those guys should be back next year and able to man that spot and let those younger guys keep developing. But there's no doubt that spot needs to get better for Texas to compete for Big 12 championships on a yearly basis and then move on uh, to the college football playoffs and hopefully compete with SEC programs, Ohio State, stuff like that. They have to get better at the linebacker position. They have to be better at that spot than they've been the last few years. You only get that way through coaching technique and through through recruiting. It looks like Chris Ash knows how to coach technique. Those linebackers are getting better on a week-in, week-in basis. And it looks like they can recruit. Terrence Cooks, a big-time target for them. He was the number one linebacker on the board for them way back in February to close him out after such a long time. And it's such a weird cycle. 2020, we'll talk about this in a little bit. 2020, the year of 2020 has been weird. Uh, The class of 2021 has been dealt a really, really tough hand uh, with just different stuff they've had to deal with. So... That is the housekeeping for this week. Texas now at 18 commitments for 2021, one commitment for 2022. Uh, We're about a month away from the early signing period. It's that week before Christmas, kind of midweek there. And so right now, uh, Texas with the 17th ranked recruiting class in the nation, uh, not great. 
for the Longhorns. It's been three top ten classes in a row for Tom Herman. He's had the best class uh, in the Big 12 since he's had a full cycle here. That's not going to be true this year. Oklahoma uh, definitely recruiting better than the Longhorns, specifically on the offensive side of the football. And so Tom Herman, the Longhorns, they need to uh, get better on the recruiting trail, and that just comes from winning on the football field. If they can turn this corner, you know, keep winning. They're on a three-game winning streak. They can keep winning, get into the Big 12 title game, and then turn that success into 2021. I don't know if it helps with this recruiting cycle, but it definitely helps in 2022. And that's where the Longhorns are starting to shift uh, their focus a little bit because eligibility is not going to count against this group of players that are playing right now in college football. So the 2021 class becomes a little bit of a free class, right? Who you add is great. Uh, If you don't get some guys... It's okay. You don't have to fill as many roster spots as you normally would with the turnover. You're able to look at 2022 and maybe get into that next class. Instead of getting your C or D option, which you normally would in recruiting if this first two maybe went other places, now you can go, okay, well, maybe our C or D option is our A option in 2022 rather than going down the board. So I would expect Texas to kind of close up shop at a lot of spots unless they get their remaining targets. Um and focus on the 2022 class. And to lead into that as a little bit of a uh, bridge into that topic, I was at the Westlake versus Bowie game on Thursday. Uh, Austin Bowie versus Westlake. Westlake quarterback Cade Klubnik, uh, he received an offer from UT after Quinn Ewers uh, decommitted in the 2022 class. He is a 6'2", 178 four-star, again, from Austin Westlake, and that's a, a quarterback factory. You have uh, Sam Allinger, of course, from there, uh, Drew Brees, Nick Foles. So I was able to talk to Cade about uh, you know recruiting, the game against Bowie, and some of that, just having the pressure of being the quarterback at Westlake High School. How early on in the game as a quarterback do you kind of know if you have your stuff or not? Uh, how so? Yeah, like uh, you're playing golf, you're playing basketball. You oh, can yeah. Kinda, you can kind of feel it. Is it um, like that or is it something you go I into? I would say right off the first drive. Um, I mean, and and if you if you if you start off off and not great, then that's somewhere you can you can come in and do great and get better um, throughout the game. But if you start off great, you're going to continue to be great. So, um, you know, it was a little bit off start for us. Um, I I was just missing a lot of throws. I I do not normally miss. Um, so yeah. As an offense, how do y'all kind of get out of that in the middle of a game? How do y'all kind of keep grinding yeah. and just stay on task that way? I mean, we just take what they give us. You know, we just got to get in a rhythm. Um, um, and just you know, play it one by uh, one play at a time, and not not do anything that we wouldn't normally do. Um, and just you know, we got to bring the juice, um, and just you know, just kind of get some short stuff going, and just kind of get the ball moving a little bit, and just get in a rhythm, and just you know, and then we get rolling. So um, yeah. Where do you think you've come the furthest from maybe this time last year on the football field? Oh man, um, just my knowledge of the game, and just. Um, presence in the pocket for sure just being able to sit back there and chill and um yeah use your feet a little bit today yeah you, know, you kind of yeah. have a reputation as a pocket passer quote yeah. unquote kind of how much is that a part of your game how much is that kind of evolving uh, i mean i i ran a decent amount last year um and i haven't I haven't needed to i didn't need to last year is the thing like that's, that's one of my things i've just been able to you know stay stay present in the pocket and not not run out of bounds uh or run out too quickly but um 
like this today, I mean, uh, just had a little bit more pressure than usual. Um, they were just bringing more guys than we thought. Um, O-line was playing great. They were just bringing some guys that we didn't, we couldn't account for. So I had to get out of there every once in a while. So, What are the goals this year? Same as every year at Westlake? District championship, go beat LT, go win a state championship. We'll do it one game at a time. So. Is there pressure quarterbacking this this program? You know, I mean, it's not it's not your normal program, right? I mean, yeah. it's quarterback yeah. lineage. Everybody knows that. Uh, a lot of success. You know, kind of how do you handle that? You know, I think I think there's a little bit of pressure every day. Um, it just, you know, you got to show out. But I think if you just if you think that there's no pressure, there won't be any pressure. Which really sounds weird, easier said than done. But just like if you just go out there and relax and just play like yourself, then um, well, I think I think it'll take care of itself. Um, I think I put a little bit too much pressure on myself tonight, and I think you know, I was just in my head a little bit and didn't play like myself. So yeah. How's recruiting going? Any up? Any it's going good. On that side? Um, not a ton. I just moved dead, dead period back until um, April, so I was pretty bummed about that. Um, but nothing new right now. Just yeah. Does that kind of limit things, right? I mean, I, I know it limits things, but like, does it? You know, if you had a timeline in your head, does it push it back? You know, I guess one yeah. of the difficulties yeah. right now. I mean, now? I was hoping to get as many once the season's over, just visit as many schools as possible, and I was going to hope to commit by April. Um, and now that's not possible. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of praying about it and talking to, you know, a lot of people about it and just kind of figuring out. It's very new. This, I mean, that literally happened this morning. So, um, yeah. Just another thing in 2020, right? To yeah, adapt, exactly. To adapt to. Exactly. That was Cade Klubnik. A uh, really good interview. One of my favorite guys to talk to. Just a nice guy, honest guy. Uh, you know, and quarterbacks are kind of like that. You know, they're used to talking more. Um, you know, they have to talk in a huddle. They have to be kind of a leader. So they tend to be uh, better interviews earlier in their career. But uh, just a uh, a good player. He didn't play his best game, as he as he said. I think against Bowie, he struggled a little bit early. He seemed to be pressing it. He said he was putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. But this is his first year uh, really being the full-time starter, and he's playing really well. Had a good game against Bowie. They're undefeated. That Lake Travis game is going to be big. And Westlake is one of the favorites to uh, win the Class 6A Division II championship. They won it last year. They're hoping to win it again. One of the players on that team that did play a lot last year as Jaden Greathouse. He's a wide receiver, only a sophomore. He played varsity football as a freshman at Westlake, which if you're familiar with Westlake football, uh, that's really impressive. To play anywhere as a freshman, especially in the Class 6A level, is tremendous. To be able to do it for a team that went on to win state is unbelievable otherworldly uh Jaden now just a sophomore 62206 they have him listed as a tight end at 24/7 now he only played wide receiver on Thursday he only plays wide receiver at Wesley uh but the recruiting services see him as somebody who grows into a tight end that may not have the uh you know kind of straight line speed to play wide receiver his whole career he is the only tight end in 2023 with the Texas offer now Texas may have offered him as a wide receiver 24/7 lists him as a tight end it's a little early in his process to really pencil him in uh, to one of those positions. So uh, I would just list him as a wide receiver slash tight end. Um, really good player. Caught a 40-yard touchdown pass uh, against Bowie in that win. Uh, clearly one of the better offensive skill position players in the Austin area. And somebody Texas is going to be getting after for a while. I was able to talk to him after the game as well. And here is what he had to say. So what's the biggest difference being a sophomore and having a little bit of RC experience compared to this time last year? 
Um, I, I'm more mature. Um, you know, playing against all these teams last year, uh, I know some of their tendencies um, and better film study. Um, feels, film's incredibly important uh, that I've come to find out this year. So I'm just working on that. Where, where have you grown the most on the football field, maybe from you know last year to now? Uh, my speed, um, discipline, and uh, just ability to track down the ball. What was it like winning a state title as a freshman? You know, that's got to be kind of you know, kind of got it all figured out already, huh? Yeah, yeah uh, it's definitely speechless. Um, so much, so much fun uh, going with that team to all the way to state. Uh, never, never could have expected something like that to happen my freshman year. Um, but couldn't ask for a better team. What's it like being able to play as a freshman now, start as a sophomore for a program that's pretty well known around the state as being one of the more successful places? To play? Um, we have an incredible brotherhood here. Uh, everybody, everybody loves one another. So there's just love out here. What's it like getting offers already? I'm assuming you can't even drive yet, right? You <laughs> yeah. Know, so like, what's it like getting calls from some of those head coaches, talking to some of those guys before you can even, you know? It, it's obviously a blessing, but I don't, I don't try to think of it too much. Um, I'm just focused on the next game um, and playing well for my teammates and coaches. Welcome, right, 23. <laughs> Thank you. That was Jaden Gatehouse or Greathouse. I'm sorry. Uh, there at the end, um, you could hear some of his uh, teammates kind of giving him uh, some some business there uh, behind the scenes as he was getting interviewed. You know, these young guys are still getting used to uh, being interviewed after games and stuff like that. So that was a fun deal for him. You could tell some of his underclassmen buddies were were kind of standing there watching him, taking photos of him getting interviewed. So that was always a uh, that's always a fun part um, of the cycle. Back to this 2021 class and what we talked about a little bit earlier. Now, they've really just been given, you know, a bad hand with this COVID stuff. You know, in February, junior days were starting. Everybody was excited to kind of get into that recruiting process. The 2020 class had signed. All eyes are now on 2021. This is going to be a great time in their lives, et cetera, et cetera. COVID-19 happens, right? Uh, everybody in the world's been impacted by this, shutdowns, all that all that stuff. Um, but for the recruits, the main thing has been visits. You know, they weren't able uh, to go to camps over the summer at different, uh, different colleges. They weren't able to go on unofficial visits. They're not uh, able to go to official visits now. And the NCAA last week, uh, in all of their wisdom, um, decided to push back dead period till April. So if you're a 2021 recruit, you are not able to go on an official visit throughout your whole cycle. And that is a tough, tough thing. This is not just a three, four-year decision. This is a 40, 50, a lifetime decision for these young men. Where you go to college, specifically when you're playing big-time football like that, is an important, important deal. More important than it is you know, to pick your first job out of college. It is a very important thing. So I would ask any adult listening right now, how hard would it have been to pick a uh, to pick a college without ever visiting how hard would it be to pick a job without ever going and seeing what that is like it's just a hard thing uh to do right to never get a feel for what the campus is to never really get a feel for what game day experience is to not really see what the students are like walking around every day there's a lot of stuff up in the air there that you simply cannot answer and then for colleges it's also uh, a struggle you cannot get um, to high schools to watch these kids play football. And there are a lot of players that come along, uh, come along their senior year and really break through. And um, for teams like Texas, who have seen some of their you know, plan A and plan B uh, targets at different spots go uh, to different schools, they would have been really benefited 
by being able to get out there on Thursdays and Friday nights and on Saturdays during bye weeks and stuff like that and really get to see different prospects around the state and around the nation in order not to just recruit them, uh, but to see who is worthy of being recruited, uh, to see who kind of is popping up on the radar that may not be committed elsewhere uh, that Texans can get in on. They're not able to go around to do that. So it's been a really tough cycle for the 2021 kids. I feel for them greatly. It continues with the dead period push to April. I wish there was some way uh, to make this work, but just with the COVID numbers rising and the liability and just the different stuff the colleges don't want to deal with uh, with these high school kids, it's just hard to imagine that official visits uh, will be able to happen before National Signing Day. And so that'll lead to a few things. It'll lead to a lot of players signing with colleges that they've never visited. That will lead to a lot of transfers down the road. We have all kind of gotten used to the the grad transfer portal or the transfer portal. Um, I would expect this 2021 class to set records for the amount of transfers here in the next year or two because you're going to get a lot of players signing up for stuff they didn't didn't know they were signing up for. And you're going to get a lot of coaches who thought they had evaluated guys as sophomores and juniors that uh, were not as good of evaluations as they thought. So you're going to get a lot of transfers, I believe, um, from this 20. 21 class and you may get some guys who decide to wait until after signing day so national sign the early signing periods in december and you'll see you know a good group um sign there across the board that's become kind of the official national signing day um for everybody most people if possible tend to sign early i think texas has only had about two i think there was two guys in 2019 2019 that didn't sign early maybe two or three in 2020 that didn't sign early that were already committed so i'd imagine the bulk of the 18 committed players sign in december but the guys who are uncommitted, and there's six, for example, on the Fab 55 that are still uncommitted. For those guys, you may see some of them wait past February. You do not have to sign on National Signing Day. You can wait. You can wait until April. You can wait until May. You can honestly wait until that fall semester begins. Right? You need to be there by the time the fall semester begins, but you have a little bit of time to decide. Most kids don't take it because it's been such a long process. They've done everything they need to do, and so they're ready to sign. But in a situation like this one, in 2021, where you have not been able to get all that information, if there is a light at the end of the tunnel, if April does feel possible, if uh, the vaccines are going around and it does look like the world is going to get a little bit back to normal, you may see some of these uncommitted players wait until April or May, take some visits, and then commit from there. I don't know if it will happen, but I would expect there are at least a few that wait for that because, again, it is a 40- or 50-year Decision. It sets up so much for you. Your alumni base, where you're going to live, where, I mean, it's just so many things go into your college um, that these guys have to deal with. And that's that's before you even get to, you know, systems and uh, rotations and what, what the position groups look like and what assistant coaches you like the most. So there's just so many variables going around right now with this 2021 class that I would advise to be patient. Um, and if you're a Texas fan, if there was a year to struggle in recruiting, uh, this might have been the one. So um, that's kind of my rant there on the 2021 class. It just is looking like one of those weird years, or the weirdest year, I guess, um, and something that's going to have kind of long-ranging and and, um, multiple different things happen because of just uh, the A-ball they've been put behind in this class. 
Like I mentioned a second ago, there are six uncommitted Fab 55 members. Let's run through them real quick with about a month to go before early signing period. LJ Johnson, running back, Cy Fair, I think the best running back in the, in the state. Um, others would say uh, Kamar Wheaton, I think they're 1A, 1B. LJ Johnson, I say leaning towards A&M. If I had to pick one right now, I'm picking A&M. Bryce Foster, uh, guard center from Katie Taylor. He's been playing center uh, as a senior. He's played guard previously. I think he's an interior prospect. If he can play center at the college level, that makes him an even better uh, prospect because of the position versatility, and not everybody can handle the center spot. Uh, I think he's really good, top 10 player on the Fat 55. His top four is A&M, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Texas. I believe Oregon and Texas are on the outside looking in. A&M, Oklahoma, the leaders right now. If I had to pick one, I'm picking Oklahoma. Shamar Turner, uh, defensive end, defensive tackle uh, from DeSoto up in the South Dallas area. Uh, Could play defensive end in three-man front. Probably a better... uh, Three technique defensive tackle as he continues to grow, in my opinion. Uh, kind of has a little bit of uh, DeMarvin Leal. Uh, if you guys remember uh, him from the 2019 class, a really good player from Converse Justin, now at Texas A&M. I think Shamar Turner follows that same route and also goes to A&M, uh, in part because of the success Leal has had staying at defensive end. They're both similar body types, both big guys who would prefer to stay on the edge. Turner wants to stay on the edge. A&M has shown they've allowed Leal to stay on the edge as long as he's making plays. I think Shamar Turner ends up at A&M. Savion Bird, offensive tackle from Duncanville, also in the South Dallas area. Um, Really good player. Four-star play defensive tackle as a junior, offensive tackle as a sophomore. So clearly, just a really good athlete, a really good football player. I would say OU or SMU are kind of my, I think Oklahoma is the favorite SMU if he wants to stay in town. Texas still sort of in it. I think they're on the outside looking in. So Oklahoma or SMU are my picks for Savion Bird. Kamar Wheaton, we mentioned earlier, running back. Uh, he's from the Garland area, Lakeview Centennial High School uh, up there. Doesn't play the competition that LJ Johnson does at Cy Fair, so I have Kamar as the second best running back in the state, but we're splitting their hairs there. They're both top national top 50 prospects, probably top four running backs in the country so both excellent players i think lj johnson goes to a&m conversely i think kamar wheaton goes to oklahoma so we're seeing texas miss out on the two best running backs in the state again texas was able to go out of state get bajon robinson uh, from arizona to kind of alleviate the stress of losing you know zach evans to tcu eventually uh, jace mcclellan who went to alabama Um, but in this class texas didn't really have a backup plan jonathan brooks from hallettsville has been really good i'd expect him to be a four-star uh, prospect by the time he signs with Texas if he remains committed. Uh, but Texas had really thought they were going to be able to add LJ Johnson on that back end, just not able to do it. The combination of a not great year and AM playing really well, especially on offense. And Isaiah Spiller, their running back, has really shown other running backs what can happen at AM. Jimbo Fisher wants to run the football, whereas conversely, Tom Herman has the um, reputation of not being running back friendly, not a 1,000, no 1,000-yard rusher in his tenure as a head coach at Texas or at Houston. And so that's going to start playing um, on the recruiting trails. You know, I think there are some things that fans and onlookers kind of overvalue on recruiting. 
But there are some things that I think are undervalued, and that's when you can show a prospect, somebody who is almost like them, a similar prospect, that they're having success right now under their system. So you can, if you're A&M and you're Texas and you're recruiting LJ Johnson, who has the better recruiting pitch based on proof in the pudding right now? If you're Texas, your leading rusher is Sam Ellinger, your quarterback, and that's been true, it feels like, since Tom Herman's got here. Whether it statistically is true or not, it feels like Sam Ellinger is the top kind of rushing option for UT on a year-in, year-out basis. If you're Texas A&M, you can go, hey, look, Kellen Mond can run the football almost as well as any quarterback in the nation, but we're still lining up and we're handing the ball to Isaiah Spiller. You can look at his stats, you can look at the film, and you know that running game is just a little bit better off. The offensive line is better off at A&M. And so I think those uh, traits are starting to pay off on the recruiting cycle. So, uh, And then OU, that just speaks for itself. I mean, Oklahoma's offense is just simply explosive. I think most prospects feel like if they can go to Oklahoma, they can get a starting spot. They're going to put up big numbers. They're going to win some conference championships. They're going to have a chance to play in the college football playoffs, and they're going to get drafted. And if you look at the offensive recruiting classes between Texas and Oklahoma, the difference is stark. I mean, Texas's only four-star commitment on offense is Hayden Connor, an offensive tackle from Katie Taylor, and he committed before the 2019 season. Right, So he's been committed for a long, long time. They have not added a four-star or a higher commit on offense in that amount of time. Quinn Ewers would have counted. Faison Wilson would have counted. But they've both decommitted from the 2022 class. So in general, since 2019, since the August of 2019, Texas has not added a four-star or higher commitment on offense. That is an indication of what these prospects think about the Tom Herman experience on offense. The Texas recruiting on defense is still really good. They're still getting a five-star in Jatavion Sanders, four-stars in J- Jordan Thomas, who they beat out A&M for. Um, Ishmael Ibrahim, uh, the four-star cornerback, really good. J.D. Coffey had a bunch of suitors. They're still getting good. Terrence Cooks just got him on Saturday, four-star guy. They are really getting good defensive players at Texas. They are not able to land the, the top offensive guys, and that's a problem when your head coach is supposed to be an offensive guy. So Kamar Wheaton, running back, we got him going to OU. And then the last guy on the Fab 55 that's uncommitted, K.J. Liggins. He's back at Coppell. He was at Denton uh, Geyer. Uh, the year before, I'm not really sure where he's going. He's kind of fallen off my radar. Um, I don't know if he will be on the Fab 55 when we do the updated uh, rankings here in December before the early signing period. Uh, just not really having the senior year I thought he would after the move. Um, and so he may drop off. Texas Tech's in that mix, but um, he's kind of played it close to the vest, has not been uh, that vocal with that. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe some of those schools are backing off. Um, we'll see how that goes with KJ Liggins. He did, he played a really, he was really good as a junior. He helped that team, that didn't Geyer team, uh, reach a Class 6A Division II state championship against Wesley. And so uh, I thought, and I still think he's one of the better players in state. We'll just see kind of where his head is at uh, going into early signing period. So that is the podcast for this week. Please go to hook'em.com. Uh, check out all the latest stuff. Texas uh, with the game against Kansas this week. We'll have you covered there. 
um, recruiting stuff. We are comparing and contrasting the classes between Texas, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. I think those three schools tend to recruit against each other the most. Uh, You kind of get the – you ask a prospect, hey, who's kind of talking to you the most? A lot of times when they mention one, they mention the other two. Uh, So I think it's important to kind of look and see who's winning those individual battles. Uh, For example, Texas has the best running back committed right now in Jonathan Brooks, but that could change. As we mentioned, L.J. Johnson goes to A&M, Kamar Wheaton goes to Oklahoma. Now that all makes that a difference thing. So when you're looking at those classes, I think it's important to kind of stack them up next to their closest competitors. And even though A&M and Texas do not play anymore, they are still very much competitors on the recruiting trail. Obviously, Oklahoma is Oklahoma. So we're going to be looking at the offensive uh, groups on Wednesday. On Thursday, we will have a breakdown of the defensive groups. And then schedule for me, Thursday, no game. can't really find one that interests me on Thursday. We're getting into playoffs for the 4A and under 6-5A at the end of their district, district play. Friday, going to go to Brenham, see Howitzville. They're playing in an area round uh, playoff game. John the Brooks, running back, has had an excellent, excellent senior year. Probably having the best senior year of any Texas uh, commit right now. I think he should be a four-star the next time recruiting uh, rankings get updated. I may even put him at the back end of the Fab 55. He's had that type of uh, year. What's hard is the level of competition. Does not play you know, 5, 6A football, kind of tough, but he is dominating in a way that should be rewarded. That's where I will be Friday. So give us a look and follow along at Craven Mike on Twitter. Almost forgot my own Twitter address. Hookup.com, Facebook page, slash Bevo Beat. You know where to go. Please give us some ratings on wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps a lot. The bosses like it. I think I got almost to 30 minutes, which was the goal by myself. Appreciate you if you're still listening right now. I don't know why. My voice can be annoying. We will be back next week with some more stuff, an interview with Jonathan Brooks, and a look at the 2021 recruiting class. Peace.